Hey, everybody, this is Christian Brindle, president and founder of Christian Brindle Insurance Services, an agency specializing in Medicare health plans, as well as the founder and admin of the Six Figure Medicare Agent Facebook community. And I am Glenn Shelton, founder and president of Lead Heroes, where we specialize in final expense and Medicare insurance leads. Every single Tuesday, guys, we have decided to come together and bring our forces together to talk about our two favorite subjects in the world, insurance and tacos. Henceforth, Taco Tuesday, let's taco about insurance. Every single Tuesday, we will live stream this show for the group Six Figure Medicare Agent at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. It can also be found everywhere that podcasts can be listened to, or you could watch the replay of the video up on our YouTube channel for the Six Figure Medicare Agent YouTube channel. Thanks so much for watching. Hope you enjoy, and let's get into this. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and that's a very Christian Brindle thing to do. <laughs> Oh, okay. I know this is off topic, guys, but I just saw Joanna Wyckoff got her ticket to Mastermind from in Memphis. I missed like the first half hour. Okay. She did. Okay. All right. All right, Joanna hey. Wyckoff. I'm making a drink today. If anyone <laughs> can tell me, first person. Oh, I'm going to break it. Open. Okay. First person tell me what I'm making gets bonus points. This is black tea. I I see. I hear. I thought it was going to be Mountain Dew and Blue Powerade from. Yeah, we talked week. about that last week. This is the the classy version of of mixed drinks here. Let's see if I cannot pour this on my computer. There we go. There we go. Anybody? Anybody? Tea and lemonade. Arnold oh, Palmer. Uh, Arnold Palmer. Hey, oh, Scotty O'Brien. That's what I'm talking about. Beat me to it. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. All right, guys. So I'm going to do my taco unveiling because I just can't wait. I haven't opened them yet. So this is real time. Same. And these are new tacos that I've never yet encountered before. All right, guys. So we got um, a chicken taco as well as a spicy shrimp taco. Okay. I see shrimp. Oh, that sounds Spicy horrible. Shrimp. Oh my goodness. It's going to be good. I, see I, just, I, I, I just, I just know it. I feel it. And I feel it. Scotty, are you a shrimp fan? I am actually surprisingly. That is surprising. I guess this is, this is real like authentic, like tacos, you know, like there's this little stand out by the road and, um, they sell tacos and they get like lines around the, around the block for these guys. We have a, in the town I live in, it's a Tings of Acadia or something like that, a taco. It's this Hispanic family there that's local and they spend all week just preparing meat, all that stuff in their food truck. They go park it right there in the middle of town. And that's mm. usually what my tacos are. Hopefully that's what's at home for me when I get home. That sounds amazing. I, I, I'm not so lucky. This is, uh, and, and normally I get a burrito from Chipotle, but I'm scared of anybody who's watching this. I don't want to get berated for having a non-taco item on Taco Tuesday. So today it is, a, it is actual tacos, guys. Three tacos, chicken tacos from Chipotle. I'm excited about this. 
Yeah, I'd be more afraid of the Freebirds versus Chipotle beratement. Touche, touche. So, Scotty, I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself for anybody who might not know who you are um, or who isn't your friend on Facebook, which you should be if you're watching this, especially if you're watching this in the Six Figure Medicare Agent Facebook group, you should add Scotty as a friend right now. Scotty, tell us a little bit about yourself. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, hi, my name is Scotty. Nice to meet everybody. <laughs> I am uh, the biggest fan of Glenn and Kristen. I try to hype them up, and that's really of my sole existence. Um, <laughs> but in my spare time, when I'm not that, I am a marketing director at Senior Security Benefits. So we're a, an FMO in Fort Worth, and we do Medicare supplements. And you probably have seen Queen of the Bundle, Galen Hendricks. That's my boss. And so we do dental plans, cancer plans, phone sales training. Uh, everything from contracting agent on to helping them get policy issued and all things fun. So basically today was, I, think I talked to Kevin Moore at Aetna more times today than I have in a month. He probably he was glad to get rid of me from AAP, but it was trying to get policy stuff figured out and contracting and commission questions. So in a nutshell, that's who I am and that's what I do. And my Facebook isn't the most exciting insurance Facebook, but I'll be, I'll be glad to be your friend. I would so, beg to differ, Scotty. I'm, I am living vicariously through you. I want your farm <laughs> life. I'm super jealous. I don't even know if you want to talk about this, Scotty, but I'm talking about it. You even built a house that I was looking at building. You're, you're like, I have a secret crush on you, Scotty. I'm going to be honest here. You, you yeah, built a barn dominium. You. This is kind of off topic here, but you built a barn dominium, didn't you? We did. So we, um, we live south of Fort Worth, about 40 miles. Um, and so we live on 40 acres. Uh, initially it was 80, but we just sold out half of it. And we, we built a barn dominium on it and we finished construction. The first day it actually was, uh, have you ever seen the post, what were you doing on Mar March 13th? Well, our first day of COVID was moving into it. And so we had 2020 was a really good year for me and my family of our COVID memories were settling into our new place, you know, exploring the property. Um, my kids, my oldest one is six and I've got a five-year-old and it just, it was a really awesome time. And, and COVID was a struggle for many and I understand that, but it, that time period is something that we'll probably remember for a long time because it, it really was a great time to be there. So of course our Facebook was those antics of our kids learning how to climb a tree or you know we've yeah. got two tanks with fish on it and we have got some cows and my my daughters play with those and dogs we tried chickens but the dogs ate all the chickens so we don't have those anymore so <laughs> <laughs> so, so scotty i wanted to point out has a sneaky good tiktok account also oh. <laughs> i mean i mean if you're not following him on tiktok every i mean i haven't got on much recently but every time I do get on, he seems to be the first person I see, you know, like, and he's always got something that's making me laugh, like almost every single time. Uh, TikTok is my guilty pleasure. I hate how much I love TikTok. <laughs> it, it's awful how much I love it. Um, in, in fact, my six-year-old, you could text me a picture or a funny video and I'll be playing it. She goes, are you watching a TikTok? We're like, no, it's just a regular picture. It's not the real thing. Don't worry. So, it's not the real thing. <laughs> that's, that's a sign of how much I love TikTok because everything on your phone, is that a TikTok? No, it's not. <laughs> so yeah. So um, we have a great topic to talk about today. You two. Yeah. You two bearded gentlemen. Um, and 
it was something that, you know, when we started talking about it in the chat, I kind of got excited about, you know, kind of where the conversation could go. Um, and it's something that's been talked about before, but I don't think quite like this. And that's, you know, a new agent just gets their license, right? They pass their test. They are brand spanking new, right? What should their first 12 months look like? Because I don't know about you guys, but if I could go back and redo my first 12 months, they would look very differently than they do, than they, than they actually turned out. And I think, you know, if maybe I had some, you know, different voices in my ear for different things, I think my first year looked very differently. So I think that's, you know, what we were going to talk about today. Um, Glenn, I want to, let's start out with you because, you know, you've been on both sides of this, right? You've been an agent yourself. You've been someone that's worked with some of the most successful people in the industry in terms of helping them generate leads and market. What should an agent's first 12 months look like? It's a great question. And I actually was talking to my friend Bill earlier today. Shout out to you, uh, Mr. Bill. But <clears throat> Bill Gates. Yes. I didn't want to say the last name, but <laughs> Scotty, name you beat me to it. You know, it's just a casual friendship I have with Bill. No, Bill, uh, he is the founder of Policy Bind, Bill Somerville. Shout out to you, Bill. But um, he was asking me about uh, kind of that first experience I really my first 12 months I was actually talking about this earlier today with someone else so it was very very topical for me and there's a lot of a lot of emotions to it too because like you just you don't know you don't know what you're doing you don't know if you're being told the truth from you know whoever, whoever it is that you're working with which really sucks when there's a lack of transparency there as a new agent so I think I think the first thing is like finding a credible upline is crucial. And, and you also, I think you kind of have to gauge the level of support that you need. That's a really big part of it too. You might come into the industry and you're already very well equipped to do this business on your own and you don't need a lot of handholding. And then there's other people that come into this industry, for example, agents I talk to every single day where they just don't know their right foot from their left foot and they are so clumsy they just have no idea so i think finding a credible upline that can match the support level that you need is one of the most crucial things a new agent can do um and you know i i don't know it's it's tough i don't what what else what do you guys think beyond that i mean what, obviously that's a kind of a layup answer in many ways but what else do you think a, a new agent it's critical for them to do Scotty. So, so Scotty, I want, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but there's one thing I want to just get out before I forget it. Um, so I, I, was, I, I did a video today with Pete Foranay, Um and it's going to come out on the YouTube channel next week. So shameless plug. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, we were having this conversation about, and I think it ties perfectly into this. Um, and I think a lot of it depends on your business model. So it definitely is not a blanket statement, but I think it talks about agents that want to come into the business and recruit right away or too soon, you know? Um, and we had this great conversation about it and I think we were just really, you know, in tune about it. Um, and I was ta talking about, you know, how I've seen a lot of agents the last year or so that's kind of worked with our organization and they'll write 15 apps, right? 20 apps. They'll start building their book. They'll have 30 apps, 40 apps. And then they'll be like, I'm ready to recruit. I'm like, no, you're not. You don't have any renewals. You don't, you don't know how much time this is going to take from you. You know what I mean? Like, that's just my perspective on it. Like for me, we do a ton of recruiting now. 
but it's built on the foundation of my book of business that I, that I built for years. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on this. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Um, as far as wanting to recruit immediately, I always tell people that come in that if, if you don't have eight to 10 hours a day to dedicate to downlines, you know, you shouldn't get there. I had a really good conversation uh, with an agent and she's been in under 65 space for a while and she was talking about bringing on some agents and she's finally getting to a place where she can. It's, you need somebody that, you know, contracting, you need an assistant, you need an admin or something if you're going to start recruiting because it's, you get really hard where you, you're having to sacrifice time of managing your clients and managing your agents. And, and both of those are big time sucks. It's a negative word, but that, that's kind of what it is. Um, I, it's not a secret. I don't write. Um, I strictly work with agents, you know, and I tell people that all the time. I don't, I don't sell direct to consumer because I don't, I don't have time to work with agents or work with clients. If I did that, um, the agents I work with, I wouldn't be able to. Um, and I work with agencies, you know, our largest Aetna individual producer is one of my agents and I've got people that work out of their basement office and if I had a book of clients, I want to be able to dedicate the time to even that agency that's writing all that Aetna needs, or if somebody's got a mutual, because sometimes you guys have all had to call a carrier. You know, there's stuff that you can call into and you can spend an hour on the phone trying to get something worked out. But imagine you're doing that on your own, but imagine you've even got 10 agents. You know, 10 is a lot of agents, you know, for somebody on their own. So imagine trying to get 10 agents issues handled. Now you start growing to 20. Um, this is my eighth year, um, and I've got on, I, I pulled a report, not, these are not all active, but I'm, I'm pushing, you know, a couple hundred agents that are active on our broker report. Now I've got agents, if I added the number that aren't writing, that aren't there, I, I want to have time to do it. And I say that not because it's like, oh, we're too busy for this, but people that want to get into recruiting, they don't realize how much of a, a time and energy that takes. Um, you talk to some people that are getting to recruiting for the first time, talk to them in August and September of their first year, and they're so frazzled because they're trying to do their certifications. Well, not only are they trying to do their certifications, but now you've got a whole team of agents bombarding you. So it's not, I push them, yes, you need the capital, you need the renewals like Christian brought up, but you need to have the time. You, you really do. And you need to either have the time or you need to have the staff. And if you're starting out new, likely you don't have either of that. Um, so for the first 12 months, and, and this is what I always suggest to agents, if you call me and you're brand new with a license, um, in our office, when an agent calls us, the first questions they get asked is, is what do you want to write? How are you going to write it? And, and, you know, what's your game plan? So who is the companies? How is the leads? You know, how are you getting your leads? Well, if they're a brand new agent, I, I really do, and this is not going to be a popular answer, <laughs> But I think if you're brand new and you don't have any insurance background, meaning if you didn't have somebody introduce you or you're not coming from a call center, if you're brand new, I really think that agents would be better off starting out in an agency, either under an NGA that can step you through every day for an upline, or there's nothing wrong with being a call center agent. You need to have somebody that's there in person standing over your shoulder to help correct any mistakes that answer any questions you have. Um, you know, you can have somebody that's a distance, but again, you only can do so much over a phone call and email. You know, we're, we're still an old school in this world. And you can do all the trainings on YouTube and all that, but I, I'm old school enough to think that you don't know what you don't know. So all the online training in the world is great until you run into a situation and you don't have anybody there sitting beside you. But you really could save yourself a lot of trouble by having somebody next to you. 
because if you're out there and, and you have that first mess up out in the field, that's an awesome learning opportunity. I, I hope that those have had it have learned from it. Um, but at the end of the day, that's a learning opportunity that didn't have to be so vicious. That if you would have started out with an MTA, um, we're an FMO. Well, I mean, I'll take any contract that comes my way. But at the end of the day, uh, I always tell people, if you're brand new, find an MGA in your area that, that, that could be a person in person to do things with. And again, I know that's not a popular answer, but uh, I'll tell you every, not every influencer, but there's a lot of them out there started out in a call center, you know, and, and there's reasons why. Call center agents are intelligent with the right manager. Uh, call center agents dangerous. When they decide to go independent, a call center agent really takes off. And um, I feel like sometimes call centers will get a bad rap, but I'll tell you, I've seen some pretty awesome agents come out of a call center because they learn how to quickly pivot. They learn how to do phone sales. And they did that without having to have the stress of figuring out how to buy a lead to make the phone ring. Did they do their contract? They, you know, there was things they didn't have to do because somebody helped them with that. So they got to learn how to sell over the phone. And then when it became time to be independent, they had the skills, the sales skills down. They now need to learn how to do their paperwork and manage their, their leads. And so that's, that's starting out. That's my suggestion. Um, but again, that could be different. If you go independent and you start on MGA and you're on a street guide, figure out your leads immediately. And there's, 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 and you're realistic on your expectations of yourself. Don't think you're going to make 100000 this year. I mean, there are people that can, but you need to have, again, a lot of time and a lot of money to set up for leads and do your research. Um, I could ramble on for days, but sometimes I think that our bar to get into the insurance industry is not very high. You know, there's a reason real estate and insurance licenses goes to flip-flop. Somebody will try it in one world and also switch to the next. So it's very easy to get your insurance license. So you've got to, your education's got to come from somewhere, I guess. 100%. <clears throat> 100%. I totally agree with everything you said there. For those of you who aren't watching this and you're listening to the replay of this in a podcast format, while Scotty was giving that wonderful answer, Christian Brindle, it appeared he regurgitated his taco. Christian, are you planning on feeding any baby birds? Is that what I was witnessing <laughs> while, while Scotty was talking? I was trying to hold that laughter in. Somehow I did. I don't know. But the there, was, well, there was taco. I think it was going in and coming out. Can you clarify for our <laughs> listeners, Christian, what, what happened there? Well, you know, it's not my fault that, you know, my staff brings me cat food and calls them tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Liz brought me taco bueno just right now. So I don't know if that, whoop, whoop. The same where that, works. <laughs> that counts. You're official now. So to get yeah. to to get back to Scotty's point though, and I, and this actually ties in kind of nicely to last week's episode where we were talking about Christian's story and his involvement in MLMs, and then we were kind of talking a little bit about how some of these agencies or IMOs are structured more like an MLM, which again now it comes down to you know are you recruiting to make a downline and you don't have experience, and and just kind of that whole it just makes a bad experience for all of us. You know, if I was just telling, again, to kind of reference my talk with Bill earlier today, I, I think every agent that we can keep in the industry is helpful for all of us. There's not enough, mm -hmm. there's too many beneficiaries for any of us to possibly service. So this idea that there's not enough clients out there is just insane. That's not the truth at all. There's plenty of beneficiaries for all of us to work with. 
But the reality is, is that in that first 12 month window, it's so easy to fail out. You know, Cody Askins obviously talks about the 8% being the ones that typically hang on past 12 months. Shout out to my 92% nation fans out there. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's a huge disservice to anybody who is recruiting in the first 12 months, unless you have some type of special situation, kind of like what Scotty was saying, if you're coming out of maybe a captive environment, or maybe you have like a family business behind you where you've, even if you're new, newly licensed, but you're not new to the industry, I think there's always exceptions to the rule. But in general, I think anyone who comes in and they're building a downline in the first 12 months, probably not the best person to contract with. That, that would be my yeah. opinion. Well, and it, it boils down to both the agent and the upline. I don't, whatever situation you're in, you've got to be realistic with yourself and your skills and what it is. And that's not to say that think you're awesome, but if, if, if somebody calls me and says, Hey, I got my license yesterday. I don't have any support. You know, I want to get a contract with you. My first response is realistic is I, I can't do that. Everything with me is going to be over the phone or email. You know, so if you're looking for a ride along, that's it, not, I'm not your person. Now I've got, you know, I know people in your area. Let me refer you out to them. And there's other guys and other FMOs, you know, FMOs network pretty heavily. You know, people think we're all pitted against each other, um, but everybody networks pretty well and refers agents back and forth. Um, I actually, you know, not Christian and FMO, but I actually called Christian on agent that called in and name dropped him. So my first phone call was, hey, Christian, tell me, you know, about this or, you know, yeah. things like that. And, and so FMOs do that. And so we do that not to check up on agents, but you also do that of like, hey, you know, you might be looking for something life and annuity, or you might be a brand new agent. That's not me. I'm going to send you to you know, somebody else or, hey, you know, you might do a Medicare Advantage, you know, uh, maybe Tony Warren, you know, he's a, he's a guy I know. Um, so there's just a lot of different conversations as the upline, be realistic of what you can offer and what you can do with yourself. Um, and, and don't try to brag yourself up because, the world, the insurance industry in general, but the world craves, um, I guess, honesty in, in a way. And that's my mantra. It's just about life. Um, valid people seek out valid people. And so whenever you're just honest, like that's not my strength, you get more out of that than trying to fake yourself, you know, fake it till you make it. Because now you get an agent. If you think the agent that hung up on you on the contract is mad at you, Imagine getting that agent contracted and they're stuck without a, you know, in a Medicare Advantage lockout period and can't go anywhere. And now all of a sudden you can't help them. You, you know, now you're really the bad guy just because you didn't answer or, you know, you sold them on that you were some life or annuity expert and turns out you don't know anything about it. Or Medicare supplement, you can't tell them what a GN or F is. And, and so then, <clears throat> I have a there. question. I have a question based on that line of thinking is, is it that there's a lot of uplines who are actively not great for agents or is it more likely that agents are being mismatched with the wrong upline? What do you think is more caught? Cause I think, I think it's totally valid what you're saying. I think mo most often what's happening is someone who is looking for something like a Medicare Advantage contract ends up with like an annuity shop just because someone at the annuity shop was like, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll take that contract. Like, so what do, yeah. you, do you think there's just a lot of bad matches being made? 
I think people are quick to get their license and quick to get on Facebook and see who's making six figures. And then that's who they're going to call. And that's not saying that those, there's people out there that are making money. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot of people get caught up in a hype and all of a sudden think that, you know, Hey, I'm going to be doing this, you know, six months. I've only got six months of struggle. Well, what industry are you ever been that six months of struggle is going to get you to the top? That's not true. There's very few people that can start out in anything and not have a struggle for a little bit. Um, so they they will, number one, either call an upline that, that won't say, hey, I'm not the guy for you. Or honestly, the upline could be completely intentional and not match with the agents. I've had agents not match with me on things that I, I feel like I'm really good at. We just, for some reason, we couldn't get matched together. It didn't work out. And so um, the agent will go off and contract with somebody else. Um, it, it's a wide variety, but I really think it, it's research, you know, goal plan you know if your first 12 months and you don't have a goal that's been thought of if you've not spent at least a month putting together a goal is it really a goal i mean honestly this is supposedly your business plan you know getting an insurance license because it's easy and calling whoever you found on facebook or youtube to get a contract that's that's no career you you got to have a game plan and, and research what you're doing so one thing i wanted to say too is I think it's a big part, especially when it's a new agent, like I think it's a big part of that upline's job to take the time to spend with you, whether it's on like a Zoom call, a phone call, face-to-face if it's in their state or whatever like that, and to come up with that game plan, you know, to get them to think that way, to be like, you know, okay, what do you want to accomplish this year? Where are you going? You know, that that's, that's always been a big focus for me with new agents. And I feel like, you know, that is made a difference in terms of kind of giving them some direction. Um, if you I, take I, the contract, take the call. Right. Like, you know, it. like we, you know, we've had contracts with people that we just desperately needed the contract and then they'll never talk to us again. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 the, you know, we'll write like 10, 20 apps and they'll be like, Hey, thanks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're that guy. You know, I'm like, you're that guy. You came in. I mean, I have no idea who they are or something like that. And we'll end up moving the contract later, you know, but there's no relationship, but like, there's too much of that. I feel like, you know, like I need a contract and, and sometimes that's okay. You know, like if you're established and things like that, and you just need a contract, you know, um, sometimes that's okay. Like you don't really need as much training, you know what you're doing a little bit, but I think it's, it's kind of a fine line, if you will, because I can tell, I can think of multiple situations where, you know, we've worked with an agent or I've worked with an agent and we've spent we've just poured into that person. You know, we provided them tons of training, resources, support, everything like that. And it's like, you know, they still blame us for everything. And I think that comes well, down to, I think that comes upline. down to- Christian, you're a terrible upline. Of course, I'm, it's your fault. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Glenn's got you on his FMO page and he's put bad reviews on you. Yeah, just... seriously. I go on there and it's- Don't like, reveal my master plan, Scotty. I go on there and there's eight reviews, all negative, all by anonymous, anonymous <laughs> G- Anonymous yeah. Glenn Shelton. I don't, some agent GS. I don't know. He's, he's reviewing everybody and it's horrible review. But but yeah. but my by my point is to kind of circle back with that is I think, you know, I think there's two scenarios here. I think sometimes an agent might have a hard time breaking through because they don't get that support and training with their upline. But then there's other times where like, and it's not just with us, like I'll see someone that is with another group and I know that they're top notch. You know what I mean? And I know that I know how they treat their agents. I know everything that they bring to the table. 
and they still just, you know, it's a big problem. Like, I think some of this is, this is a hard industry. This is a hard business and not everybody's built for it. But every business is, like I said, it right. goes back to, I mean, every business, if it's a, if it was an easy business, everybody would be millionaires. You know, and it doesn't matter if I was working construction, I would go, I would properly prepare myself and learn how to do that trade well. Um, you don't get to just get a truck and tools and all of a sudden you're in construction. Um, and going back to like Christian said, um, there's a lot of times uplines and FMOs are, are blasted up. These people are terrible. Um, and and I'd, I'd say 70% of the time that's true with a grain of salt. Um, agents don't go out there and blast their faults on things. I mean, that, that doesn't happen. And whether you're an FMO, you could just be an MGA and gave somebody a contract to give them a contract because they were your buddy. And then things went south. I, I've seen that where where guys weren't even trying to recruit and have just been thrown under the bus by an agent that, you know, didn't want to answer their phone call until they needed something. Or you're, you're telling them, hey, let's get your contracting done, but all of a sudden you're four months in the process and, and it's not happening. And all of a sudden the agent's out there doing stuff. And, and I've had that happen to me. I mean, and um, there's a couple other people in the same space we are have done some texting. I was like, well, I wish we had a Facebook group to go out there and put an agent on blast. <laughs> But we don't, I mean, because it just out of integrity and respect, that's not our place. But at the same time, uplines and FMOs get blasted pretty heavily. And, and I, some of y'all are pretty lucky your FMO is not posting on Facebook because Amen. It, it happens a lot. <laughs> yes. But oh, I mean, I it's it. true. Oh my yeah. gosh, say it twice. Say that it sounds twice. terrible, but it's true. I mean, the, they, in any area of life, nobody's going to tell you their fault. Just like if, if you called me, you know, I'll give you my version, but it's my version of the story. And that's, that's just, that's the risk of the recruiting world. And, and that goes back to, do you have the capital to do it? Do you have the time to do it? And then do you have the gumption to not react on Facebook every time you're blasted? If you don't have that, that's the third part. You, you can't be Facebook trigger happy. You just can't. And I love it. In yeah. any business. Yeah, I think so that's... I Spot on. Uh, you know, one thing that was mentioned that I really like is that this isn't unique to insurance, right? So I've kind of been able to see both sides of it. I have my own business that's technically not selling insurance, right? The marketing side. And I've also sold insurance. And, you know, the fail rate of business in general is about 90%. Sorry, Cody. You know, it's not just insurance <laughs> agents. It's actually everybody fails 90% of the time in the first year of doing any business. So you're absolutely yep. right which is why I've said this before on Taco Tuesday is the agents who come in and they treat it like a business, they are so much more likely to succeed than the agents who just come in here and they're like, okay, upline, make me rich, like beam me up, beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I want to watch this YouTube video. I want this contract. I need these leads. Um, I read on a Facebook post that somebody said, if my upline's not doing this for that, and it's, well, I can't help you with that. You know, I, you know, that's, that's okay. I know somebody else that can fit that. I'll tell you what my strengths are. And that's back to, if you're the upline, if you're an FMO, or even if you're an MGA, I can't offer that, you know, and here's somebody that those tools that you need, here they are. Um, the sandbox is plenty big enough. We've all got our own set of tools or leads what we do that trying to fit everybody. So Tony, Tony posted, Tony, I'm going to read your comment here for those who might just be listening and not on Facebook. Definitely say it's both of those, but a lot of agents don't even know what they really need from an upline. 
and he goes on and he continues that. But that, that's the truth is that most of these agents have no idea what they even need. And so that's why it really does come down to the responsibility of the upline to tell the agent whether they can actually help them or not. And again, from a business point of view, what I can tell you is I can't, I was so much happier, the more stringent I got with the people I work with, I became so much happier and, and ultimately more profitable as a business versus, oh, please, whatever, you know, I'll take anybody like, oh, you're going to throw money at me. Yes, come on, I'll take your money. And yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I think the more picky we can all be with who we work with, I think it'll ultimately make everybody happier. And, and I love your transparency, Scotty. I think that's so lacking with uplines in general is, you know, yeah, if you don't do it, don't, don't tell them you can. It's real yeah. simple, you know? That's, yeah. Yep. Like I, Taylor, I, I get a lot of agents that, you know, they're like final expense whizzes, you know, like they, they know more about final expense than I have ever known because it's just not what we do. It's not a strength of ours, really. Like we'll do, we'll trip into some here and there, you know, but we'll write it, but it's just not a strength of ours, not like the Medicare. Um, and, you know, I, I have agents that will work with us on the Medicare for like six months and they'll be incredibly happy. And they'll be like, you know, we, we love working with you guys. You know, we'd like to move our final expense contracts over. And some, a lot, I mean, sometimes we'll do it if it really works out. But like most of the time I tell them, I'm like, listen, you're doing good with the final expense. And to be honest, you probably know more about it than I do. So what am I going to do for you? You know what I mean? Like, what am I going to yeah. possibly do for you? Like, I, I mean, I think that com those kind of conversations and that, you know, real bluntness of, of it need to be more of a common practice. And again, that would happen in any business you do. I mean, any business you do, you could go be a banker or construction and you will interview for a job and you're, you're, whoever is hiring you, your upline, your boss will say, these are my expectations. This is what we do. And this is what we're going to do. And then you and the job interview will assess the job that you're going to do and say, I want to work there. I don't want to work there. And um, so, it's, yeah, and, and I always break it down like that because it's, there's principles that are in business that just because we have insurance licenses and, and we're selling and, you know, you've got, you know, MLMs or whatever you want to call the hierarchy structures out there, um, it's still a business. And, and you've got to, when you get your license, you're starting a business and if you don't prioritize it, nobody else will. And that, that's another thing going back to when you get your license. I understand there's a lot of people have to work full-time jobs to get their insurance license, but you're going to be a lot slower on that. I'm not saying go quit your full-time job, maybe work at the savings and then decide to jump careers, you know, and because then you're just wearing yourself out. You're trying to make phone calls at 11 o'clock at night to make insurance sales because your other job, you don't get home till seven o'clock and that you can't succeed doing that, but it's really hard. It's, it's really hard if, if you're not set up. To, to make that jump into a new career, treat it like a career, treat it like a job. Scotty, uh, we've got a question here from David. Yeah, we want to, I uh, to talk yeah, about that too. Who, I, which one of you would like to field this one? I want to know. Ooh, pick me, teacher. Pick <laughs> me. <laughs> I'll let you two fight over and I'll just be the narrator here. How David says, how do FMOs or uplines make money? It's, hmm. it's simple. Great question. They... Screw over agents! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, depending on who you ask, uh, no, it's it's override based, just like your your MGA is. It, you know, it's it all funnels up. 
So I define, mean, define. So let's say I'm just a total noob. I know nothing. Like, what's an override? So we're going to say when when a company A releases a product that needs to get sold, and they're going to say there's six points of commission we're going to pay out on this. The top level, you've got six points, and you want to give. It's not who you want to give, but production base. You have another person that say the street is two points, right? So. The person that's selling is two points, so your override is that four on it. Now, there's the reason there's levels in between that is not because you're trying to. I don't know why my phone's blowing up, but um, but it's not that you're trying to get that large of an override. You have that override because sometimes you have an agency manager that needs higher than street. Sometimes you've got somebody that might be a, a point below you. So if that's a six point system. You might sign somebody up that gets five points. And then they underneath them have street level system too. So that, that pie is getting broke up as it goes. But really, so FMOs have got that hierarchy structure set up where there's it's just override base. And it, it varies by carriers. You know, MedSups, you've got the percentage points. You've got some products that it's a flat, flat base. Um, but honestly, that's what it is. And um, that's the best transparency there is because that's how they structure I, I think, it. I think a lot of agents, you know, they have this perception of overrides that you know, it's coming off of their plate and it's not, you know, yeah, I mean, not, nobody's taking your commissions away by having an override. Yeah. yeah I mean, but, but, but if you're below that, street, if you're yeah, below street, street yeah. Yes, yeah but I wouldn't even call that an override though. You know, I would call that they're taking some of your commissions plus they're getting the override. Well, it doesn't you know, even matter because at the end of the day, you interviewed that upline and the upline interviewed you and you guys came to that if, if you're shysty giving away below street contracts without telling the agent they're below street and you're not doing anything, then yeah, that's shysty. Now, if an agent comes to you and they're new and they need a level below street and you say, okay, you know, say on Manhattan Dental, for, this is just from that, the 40% is street, but there's a 35 and a 30 below that. You know, if somebody's giving you a 30 and calling it street and not doing anything for you, that's not what you do. And now if you say, I'm going to pay you 30%, you can work your way up to the street. This 10% is because I'm investing a lot of my time into making you better because you're a brand new agent. I'm also giving you leads. And if you and that agent have that agreement, or even if you're a call center agent, you're all away. You know, it's again, it's a business. It's a job you're applying for. So your salary is between you and your boss, you know, and if you accept that salary from your boss, then it's kind of on you at the end of the day. So you need to ask the questions up front, you know, is this a street level commission? If you're below street, ask why you're below street. Now, if the guy himself, if your upline is a street level agent, he just can't give you levels, so therefore he's giving you lower levels, then you probably need to go somewhere else and, and get that street level. But if you got your license yesterday and the guy is devoting three hours a day to training you, then that's a different conversation. And again, so that, that, that will always go back to your day one conversation. Before you sign that contract, know your commissions. There's not a right or wrong level, but know where you're at and why you're where you're at and be realistic about it. So, so yeah. one, one thing I wanted to touch on with that, Scotty, that, you know, I, I think to, to kind of piggyback on what you said, and I feel like this conversation has gone to agent contracting. And yeah, like this did take, yeah, this but did I, take a bit of a Not that it's a bad turn. thing. But it's first year. You need to know this stuff first year. I mean, this, this is, is a great this, conversation. Yeah. But um, so, so this is something that's interesting to you guys. Um, and Scotty, you see it probably all the time. Like, the other thing is when you're contracting with an agent that's, you know, maybe newer in the business, maybe in their first year, maybe even in their second year, and let's say they don't qualify for anything more than like a GA contract. And, you know, you start 
working with them, it's fine until you get to the point that maybe you want to recruit too, right? And then you can't really move up to the GA level. Like, let's say you're in a situation where you contract with someone, they're newer, and you have a better work ethic than they do. Happens all the Mm -hmm. time. You grow faster than they do. You end up having a bigger book than they do. And you ultimately start recruiting. Well, you're stuck at that point. You have two options. You stay at street level and you don't recruit or you have to go somewhere else to get that GA contract. And I think that's another thing, you know, that um, is not touched on enough in the industry. Look at the levels as like ceilings, right? Whatever ceiling your upline has above you, you can't go above that ceiling and be under them at the same time. It's impossible. Um, Like a GA can't be under another GA, right? Like we have a lot of SGA contracts, a couple MGA contracts, and we have like two or three GA contracts, right? With my company. Um, Anytime someone comes to me with a contract request for a carrier that we have a GA contract with, I, I am always disclosing that because I don't want to run into issues down the road with them if they want to start recruiting. Um, Mm -hmm. But it also puts the GA agents kind of in a tough spot too, because like you have to grow fast. If you're a GA, your, your, your number one goal in life, in my opinion, should be get to MGA. <laughs> so that's not an issue anymore, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's something that's- Can you, you know, while I know about. we've been throwing around a lot of these abbreviations for, again, for those who might watch or hear this, they're brand new, they don't know anything. Um, GA, general agent, MGA, managing general agent. Master general agent. Oh, is it master? <laughs> I thought it was managing. We called Chris and master, but it's managed. I like to be called master. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your kinks to yourself, please. Thank you. (laughs) So, and then, uh, well, and then B is BGA in line with MGA or is BGA above MGA broker manager or broker general agent BGA? You know, I'll be real honest with you. I think sometimes there's a bunch of those terms and companies just grab a term and put it on a level because I see IMO, FMO, NMO, those are thrown around. MGA is typically one level above street managing general agent. GA is always street. Um, a general agent contract, um, the GA is looked at as street, but a general agent contract is what all of us fill out, right? And then your commission schedule determines your level. And so I get that question a lot of I'll send somebody a general agent contract, even if they're below street because their upline said, hey, send so-and-so this contract. And so I'll just send them a general agent contract and tell their upline, you know, you send me the commission schedule. And, you know, let, that way you and them are working commission out, not me. Um, and so the, G, the GA is general agent. That's you're an independent agent, regardless of level. And then you start looking at terms. It'll vary by company. You know, that you might see levels and all that. You know, some, some carriers could have seven to ten levels and some only have four or five. And so... SMO is a pretty broad term of kind of top of the food chain, but there's, you know, some call it NMO, IMO. It's, it just varies. And NMO is my favorite. I love when people say NMO, like it's like, I'm one of five people who have this NMO contract, like like they've got kryptonite in their pocket or something. One thing I wanted to throw in too. So on the Medicare side, I don't feel like that below street thing is quite as I guess like as big of a deal on the life side, I came into the industry selling final expense and I was led to believe that a hundred percent was the street level. Right. And to someone new and ignorant, which I absolutely was wet behind the ears, green as can be. 
it made sense in my head. You can't go over a hundred percent. Right. Um, and then to find out, I mean, I felt really jaded because it was probably almost two, a year, maybe two years down the road when I learned that you can get a street level at 110, 15, 20, 25, 40. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and not that I would have necessarily been upset if the upline had done what you said, Scotty, and they had been transparent from the get-go and they said, hey, listen, this is street, but we're giving you this because we're doing this. Like if that had been the proposition up front, I don't think I would have had any qualms. They did help mm -hmm. me a lot and they did stuff like subsidized marketing, like training, you know, like giving me a desk, et cetera. These, these things that had value but the problem was, is they just weren't transparent about it. So um, I do like what you're saying, though. I think, I think it really does just come down to being transparent. Honesty. Yeah. I know agents that are top agents in this country, production-wise. You know, of all the agents we have writing, they're at the top. And they're well below street because their upline provides an office for them. Their upline provides them a place to sit. And... And sometimes I'll talk to that upline. Like, do you ever I've asked him, do you run into issues with that? He goes, we only had one agent that went on a trip one time and he came back. And while these guys said, I'm getting gypped on my commission, this and this. And they said, okay, well, we won't, we're going to start charging you for your office. Your leads cost this much. They started giving him what he's getting, you know, and that was, he had agreed on that a long time ago, but he had kind of forgot how good he had it and said, you want to be a street agent? Okay, well, you have the knowledge to be a street agent. You don't need the free office, the leads, all the stuff that we're giving you. So you need to go get yourself an office. You need to figure out how to get your leads. And the guy got smart and did the math and goes, no, thanks. I'm fine. Yeah. And, I mean, and so it's, it's again, the upline and the agent both just need to sit down and have a conversation and be realistic of where you're at of what you can offer, why you're offering what you do. And the agent, the same thing, be realistic of what your needs are, what you're looking for. Um, and, and I just, I don't know, I cringe every time there's the conversation of what's expected from your upline and FMO because it's so circumstantial. It, you know, that's not even in defense of FMOs, it's in defense of general agents and managing general agents because, you know, somebody might be offering you this level, uh, but if you're not asking them for what they're, you know, why you're getting this, um, stop expecting free leads. We all know that free leads are junk, you know, because if they, they're good leads, the managing general agent that's a writing producing agent would keep them. I mean, that's at the end of the day. That's why we don't give out leads. We have a call center and we had a better return selling them in-house than giving them the agent. So that's why we sell them in-house. So we don't give out leads. And, and we tell everybody that asked me for leads, I say, no, we don't do that. And here's why, you know, we have a better return on our, our investment by selling them in-house. So that, that's again, I mean, in synopsis, if you get a brand new license and if I could leave you guys with something, it's have a realistic conversation. Look at where you're at, where, where your goals are, where you want to go. And just because, you know, Joe Blow on LinkedIn or Facebook, you know, did it is making 200,000 after two years. You got to look at your circumstances, you know, where it's at. If, if you're working a full-time job till seven o'clock at night and, and you only can devote two hours a day to insurance and you, you might need to be, you know, maybe go work in an insurance office or an agency for a little while and make that your full-time job. Again, you know, call center agents get a bad rap, but I've seen some of the most successful agents come from a call center because they picked up good habits. They had good managers. 
And so by the time they hit the ground running to start buying their own leads and setting their own system up, they didn't have to learn a craft. They were already the master trade. So, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Glenn. Um, I was just going to say, let's, for the sake of argument, assume that the agent found an upline. What would the next step or the next, you know, to kind of progress this original question along is what does an agent do for their first 12 months really to be successful? Let's assume they find an upline. What's next? What, what is the next thing that really needs to happen in order for them to be successful? What, what would you say? What were you going to say, Christian? So it's amazing how in sync our minds are, because I was going to essentially answer the question before you even answered it, before we even asked it. Um, so another thing, like, you know, assuming that the contracting is all in place, let's say you're in the best, let's say you're in a good spot, you know, you're in a good position with a good organization and you're receiving the training. Um, I, I always like, and, and Scotty, I think this kind of comes back to what you just said about um, not just looking for free leads and, you know, doing the deal with the devil for free leads kind of thing. I think the best thing an agent can learn how to do in their first 12 months is, you know, learn how to generate your own leads in some way, right? Whether that be cold calling, whether that be marketing, whether that be, you know, doing, getting out in the community and doing some grassroots marketing, but find a way to generate your own business. So you don't have to rely on somebody else to feed you. That's my, my take. Yeah, I agree 100%. And it, so that's, like I said, if you're an agent and you call us, the first thing I'm going to ask, what do you want to do and how are you going to do it? You know, and that's not saying how it's all on you. I'm here to guide you and direct you. But again, you are establishing your business. You've spent your time researching how to establish a business before you jumped into said business, I hope. So you're now you're putting your game plan in place. If I always tell people the best leads are grassroots. If you guys don't follow Rebecca Davis on the Medicare bill on grassroots leads, you're missing out. Some of my best agents are small town agents that are just, they're not worried about Google or Facebook famous. They're just the insurance agent in their town and they get involved and they are the insurance agent there. Um, you know, you, you look at a lot of agents, that was 8% was really kind of fun for me to connect with those guys, um, or and ladies too, Jackie Walter, uh, Melina Rogers, rock stars up in the Northwest, They're just, just being good agents, you know, and so when you start looking at, you know, now you're contracted, you have your writing number, what do you do? We'll pull out that game plan you made because you're establishing a business. So what, what was your goal? Well, I want to be I live in Grandview, Texas. I want to be the best insurance agent in Grandview, Texas. Okay, so what I need to do, get involved in the community, start networking. Or that game plan says, I want to be good at phone sales. I don't want to leave my house. I'm going to do everything over the phone. Here are the lead companies I've researched. Maybe I got some that I put together. So call your upline because he took your contract. He's going to take your phone call. <laughs> and he's going to direct you to Glenn. And so... Uh, on that, you say, hey, I've got these lead people together. You know, obviously you're a producer. What do, what do you do? You know, I, I found you because you're good at phone sales. So therefore, what do you do? Um, and then that's the conversation. And then just start growing from there um, and then start putting your sales practice into it. Yeah, I think it, so there's, so it's like the, the contracting, the upline, there's the training. So you have to know how to sell before you sell. So 
you have to know about the basics too, right? Like you have to know what a meds up is, you know, you have to know what a and B is. You have to know all that basic no, like too. legalities, right? You need to know what you can and can't do. I mean, for God's sake, don't go rebating, right? Holy hell. Like SOA, SOA. Recruiting. And if you're recruiting, please train your agents on that. I think Joe Chitola did the best post I couldn't have loved more or less followers. If you bring an agent to me, agency to me, my job is not to teach your agents what Medicare is. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. I'm, I get so many phone calls from people that they're not calling their upline because their upline gave them my phone number. And so now I'm explaining to them what the difference between a plan up and a plan two is. But I think that goes back to on the agency is, or on the agent, if you had a game plan before you dove into this. You researched this business. You, you have a business plan in force. And so your, your next step is kind of lined out, you know, when you want to write Medicare, we just discovered what you want to do. Now, how are you going to do it? Are you going to be phone sales? Are you going to be local? Are you going to do mail drop? Mail's not dead, you know, despite people say we, we spend hundreds of thousands in mail. It, mail's not dead. Um, I had a guy actually, I was telling Christian in your hometown, wrote a shit ton of lasso because he had sent out 5,000 letters. And it's, it was just obnoxious the amount of lasso he wrote just off that letter. Um, so research what you want to do, how you want to do it, and then go from there. Because, like I said, if you jumped into this without a game plan, it, it, you're not going to cut it. You're going to spend your first year scrambling and blaming your upline is what's going to happen. Because your upline, whether they're in person or they're in FMO, they can help you so much. If you don't have a game plan, it's not their job to make your game plan for you. They're there to assist you in your game plan, but they're not they're not building your game plan for you. They, your your path of success is paved by you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think so again, I think there's the upline, the contracting. I think you have to learn. So some somewhere in the process you gotta know how you're gonna sell. And then the the last part that really in my opinion separates those who fail from those who don't, it's your activity level. You know, I can't I can't train an agent in, in sales skills. Like I can make someone better, but I can't say, okay, you're now going to be a, a top closer. You're going to close 80% of your leads. That's always going to fluctuate you guys. And there's a million variable variables why that will fluctuate. But the bottom line is your activity level is a hundred percent determined by you and the law of large numbers, which is absolutely true and has yet to be beaten, is the more people you talk to, the more people you're going to quote, the more quotes you run, the more applications you're going to submit, the more applications you submit, the more you'll get issued, the more you'll get paid. And it's super simple as, as, as like, I could just really boil it all down. And you looked at the last 10 agents that failed. And then you looked at the last 10 agents that succeeded in their first 12 months. Show me their activity level on a day-to-day -day or a week-to-week -week basis. And I guarantee you the people who failed, they weren't having enough conversations. And there's a billion ways to do that. It's not just working with lead heroes. It's not just door knocking, cold calling, direct mail. It's, it's just having the conversations. Like you said, I mean, the grassroots stuff is excellent. Referrals are amazing. Family, working through your warm network, the dream 100, which is as cliche as it might sound, take your hundred people closest to you that, you know, potentially could buy insurance from you. 
and, and network through them. I mean, there's so many ways to do this, but if you're not actively, if you don't have activity, if you're not actively prospecting or talking to people, of course you're going to fail. Like what? It's not your upline. It's not your upline. You suck. I'm sorry. Tony Tony Merwin, buck up. You know, that's Um, also um, on as far as you're talking about your activity, Rebecca Davis on one of her posts one time was if your friends and family add you on Facebook and they don't know you're an insurance agent, you probably need to change that. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yes. So so here's the other thing, guys. Here's the other thing that, that makes me crazy. This is just my personal opinion, right? Like I can't tell you the number of clients that I've gotten over the years just because I'm posting on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. Like if I make a video or I write a blog article or I do something, I'm putting it on my Facebook page and you never know who's watching. You know what I mean? Like you might have a, like I, I, I was having this conversation with Pete earlier today too. Like you might have a thousand Facebook friends, 2000 Facebook friends. You don't know that this friend you made at a job you had 10 years ago, her mom's turning 65. You just don't know. Right. So like, and, and here's just this, my opinion. I don't know if you guys would agree with this. Stop making your Facebook accounts private unless you got something to hide. That's just my opinion because prospects want to research you. And that's in my opinion, you know, prospects want to research you um, before they meet with you, before they do business with you. Like I, I can't believe how many insurance agents don't post about their business, right? They don't talk about their business. Nobody knows what they do. You know um, they're like this, you know, enigma. Um, and they have their Facebook accounts and their Instagram accounts and all these stuff private. So their prospects, when they try to look them up, they can't see anything and it sketches them out a little bit. That's just my opinion. Like I've gotten business because I'm so open. Like my, well, to like, piggyback my on that, if, if you want to prospect off Facebook, which is, I think, you know, Facebook is the easiest thing. There's a reason that everybody that's selling Sensi has a business page or something because it's so easy to prospect on Facebook. If you want to do that, I'll tell you, look at Justin Brock. There's nobody more social media branded than that guy. And, and there's a reason probably why he's good at what he does. And so if you want to market off Facebook, I would refer you to, to copy the master, you know, on that don't, if, if you're saying, I want to make leads on Facebook, I want people to call me. And then you're like Christian saying your Facebook's in private, you know, even it, Facebook tells people what you do for a living. If you don't tell people you're an insurance agent with them, just click on your profile, then, then you, you probably need to tweak what your life is. Again, a lot of my personal Facebook, you know, I'm not prospecting the clients. So therefore I'm not posting about products online, yeah. you know, but at the same time, you, if you're an agent, that's what you're wanting. The same thing if you're wanting to do outbounds or anything, you, you're going to brand your communication method to your insurance agency. And so I think that's a good first year is, is figuring out how to brand yourself, figuring out who you are. You're a freshman in college. You're, you're that girl at the sorority house that's trying to find herself in life. That's the best way to put it. So, and that's, that's what you're doing. You're just trying to figure out the next four years of your life, because if you're a Medicare agent, get ready for four years of education before you've got your degree and you're a master and they don't want to hear that. You know, the, the, the people that, that bounce out in the first year, uh, nine times out of 10, it's because they called somebody and said, I want to make a hundred thousand this year. And they, they did one year of a four-year project and it, it wasn't for them, you know, and that's, 
if, if you show me a new agent that's at two or three years that's still grinding, that that's somebody that people are going to be gravitated towards and, and want to, to jump in and be successful because they're they're going for it. it and then I'll go back to, and I could go on forever on this, guys, but I'll go back to, I, I will always say the per, the insurance industry will always be a part of my life. It'll be a career for me. I, but I, at the same time, I think that sometimes it's so easy to jump into that a lot of people get frustrated at the lack of immediate success. So, you know, if you're a new agent, you just got your license yesterday, get ready for four years, everything that you will do in life requires an education. This is no different. Um, networking relationships is key. Um, that helps you with your upline. Always be upfront with what you want and ask your upline to be the same. And if trust your gut, you know, if you don't have a good feeling about the upline, it's okay to call somebody else. There's enough of us, enough of us out there. Um, somebody will work with you. So Debbie Great. had a question. I, I feel like we kind of covered this, but her question was, you know, why is there so much talk about building an upline versus building an agency in the Medicare space? I responded there. I said, it's not just Medicare, it's all of insurance specific. I mean, you could you could talk about even other downlines outside of the insurance world where it's kind of the same thing. But I think, and, and here's where like you have to, you kind of have to have like a spiritual journey on yourself. You have to know what you want because I can tell you firsthand, I know a lot of agents who chose to not go down the downline road and they just built up their book and they were so much happier than when they had tried to build a downline. It's not for everybody. That's the other thing. It's like hard. you need to know what you want and, and you have to execute. And I know that's kind of in line with what you were saying, Scotty, but why, why is there so much hype? Especially when you were just, we were just talking about the override, the override in the Medicare space, especially if we're talking like supplements, it's so small. It's, so why it's, it's incredibly the downline smart. happens because it's easy money number one number two the downline conversation happens a lot on facebook it, it's not i could there's so many agents that are not active on facebook that would just astound with it you know they're not active they're they're just good old boys that have had an entrance license for 30 years and they're massive producers and they never once thought about recruiting because they don't want to <laughs> One guy the other day told me, I don't want to deal with other people's shit, is what he said. But he was just like, I just, <laughs> that, that's he's it. a good old that's East it. Texas boy. And he was just like, he goes, I want to write my business. I want to retire. He goes, I've got grandkids. And he goes, I, he goes, I paid my dues to, to live on my renewal. And so it, the downline conversation to answer your question, Debbie, is it, that conversation is happening a lot on Facebook because it's easy to recruit on Facebook. It, it's easy to show your numbers on Facebook because if you're trying to attract agents, that, that's an easy way to get agents to come to you. So therefore, that conversation's happening more on Facebook. If you start going to networking events, you know, 8% was full of people in the room that have no interest in, in downlines. They just want to learn how to be better, you know. And, and so go to events and meet agents because you'll find that a lot of people in the room aren't interested in networking. They're just interested in building a business. I think See, um, this is hang on really fast. This yeah. is interesting because I feel like Christian, you're you're in the middle of this. Like this is you in real time, right? You you have a book of business. You have a successful agency. Now you're really looking at the downline. And again, what Scotty said earlier, like it's a huge time suck. So if you put oh a God. gun to my head and you said, Glenn, you are either going to sell insurance and build a book of business, or you're going to build a downline and then have them essentially do the sales. 
I would be 10 times more tempted to just sell and build my own book and not build a downline more or less from what Scotty just said there. But I'm curious since you are literally in the middle of like, you couldn't be a, a, a better like science subject for this. Like tell us, yeah, put what's me it like? you're in the eye of the storm. You're in the middle of it. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, um, it's very true. I think one thing I've learned early on, my dad told me when I first told him I wanted to, re- to start recruiting agents, this was about two years ago. Um, and I was under him at the point, that point, I'm really not under him for hardly any contracts anymore because it just happens. You know, I mean, he's getting closer to retiring. I'm still growing. It got to the point where my, my business was as big as his, if not maybe a little bit bigger and I couldn't continue to grow and be under him at the same time. And so, but he told me, um, he told me that one agent is as much work as a hundred clients. And I have found that to be a hundred percent accurate. And, and, you if know, you have their clients, I mean, essentially you have their clients now at your feet. Because yeah. For. Yeah. I mean, and, um, and I think it's very accurate with that. I mean, so, so currently where we're at, we have, and we're just talking about agents that have at least one contract with us in my organization, we got 50 right now in the 50s, somewhere in there. Um, and the workload is enormously insane. So I've made it very clear lately that I'm making a strong, aggressive push to try to bring in captives. Why? Because I'm, I can't do both. I can't do both anymore. It's just too crazy. You know, I'm, I mean, the, my, if, if my, my, my schedule from the time I walk into the office to the time I leave is ridiculous at this point, you know, like, um, it's so packed with everything because I'm trying to do two different roles in the agency at this point. Um, and that is what it is guys. I mean, you know, when you're trying, it's almost like you're building two businesses at once. Think of it like that, you know? Yeah. Perfect. And, and I wasn't trying to say that I don't, down, don't build down. In fact, don't go into it with that being your goal because yeah. there's so many different roles where every industry will have roles. And I hate, in every industry it's a phrase i'm overusing on this call but so every age industry has roles i'm a marketer and i, I own that i know even though people think marketers are bad taste or all that i'm not calling you trying to get you to move a contract but at the end of the day i'm a marketer that's my role in this industry you know if you're selling leads that's your role in the industry if you're an agent that's your role in the industry if you own an fmo that's your role you start taking out you know, marketers, all of a sudden insurance companies, they can get their products out. You start taking out FMOs, there's a reason that companies have FMOs in place because they're not taking agents direct. You take out lead people, you know, all of a sudden, what are we all doing? We're back 30 years ago. So that's when you start looking at, you know, are you going to start recruiting? You've got to take it out. Are you going to be a salesperson? Are you going to be an upline builder? Are you going to build leads? And Christian, you just hit the nail on the head. It's a different business. So you know, am I going to be a construction worker and also a landscaper? You know, yes, those are similar, but can I effectively do those two industries? Can I effectively be an upline and effectively be an agent? You know, and and if you're working on your basement, I, I question if you are, if you don't have an assistant, at least that's whenever people are at the point where they're deciding to, to grow past where they're at, that's my first suggestion is get an assistant because, you know, somebody that can help you with your paperwork, you know, contract and reading over contracts is hard. I mean, you guys have all filled a contract out, 
So you know how many pages there are. Uh, I, today, process six, you know, trying to make sure that contract is right and, and what it's going through. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a system. And I would encourage, you know, if you're a new agent, concentrate on being a good agent, you know, put, put recruiting in, your, in the backseat. Don't even think about recruiting. If you're jumping in saying, I'm going to be a successful insurance agent and I'm going to be frustrated in six months and I'm not recruiting and successful, then I'm sorry, I, I'll see your real estate sign on the side of the road. So it all goes back to it, everything you do as a business, treat it like a business and, and know your role and, and be good at your role. Be a good upline, be a good agent, be a good lead person, be, you know, just, and we've been trashing uplines, agents all day, but the same thing for leads. If, if you're selling shitty leads, I'm going to throw, you know, shitty leads. You know, Glenn's selling oh, good leads. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it goes everywhere you go. You know, just Time to go. All right, we're having a cut. Own everything you're doing. If you're a good upline, be a good upline. If you're a good agent, be a good agent. If be a good lead source. You know, just do good in the world. So That's yeah. all we want out Scotty. of each other. Scotty, can I brag on you in senior security for a second? Because one thing I want to take the, a, a second to point out is you guys and, and Galen and Taylor and everybody over there have done what I'm trying to do. And that's build an organization that successfully does both. Because you guys do both successfully. You just have two different sections of your, of your business, right? You have direct-to-consumer sales in-house. And you're an FMO, you know, contracting, like it can, oh. be, it can be done, but you have to scale properly and take the proper steps. You can't start out senior security benefits. Like you can't just start out and be senior security benefits. Like you have to start somewhere and grow into that. But you guys have, you know, effectively built the business and the model to where you guys are slaying it in both capacities, direct to consumer and as a top-notch FMO contracting organization. Very difficult to do. And I'm sure Christian would be willing to attest. I mean, basically you had yes. already said that before, but as someone who's built a business from top to bottom and, and gone through so many hardships, like I just, I, I can't imagine the stuff that you guys have had to go through. Now, I want to be conscious. Well, about, I'll interject on there. Yeah. I will, I am very aware that I'm very lucky to have the job I have and work for who I do. Um, and, and so on the praise on that, I'm going to shift that to Taylor and Galen. I mean, those two are far and away the most intelligent people I know. And I don't say that just because they're my boss and there's a gun behind my head, but, um, <laughs> you know, Galen literally treats my kids like her grandkids and Taylor's got Charlie. That's my daughter's age. And, and we genuinely like on each other, but at the same time, they'll tell you, you know, Taylor will tell agents, of you better be ready for some debt your first year if you're going to scale you know you can't be spending 15 dollars a week on leads you know and so they're they're really the people that they've built this i'm lucky to work here um to do it i enjoy what i do but at the same time there's they're the ones that have stressed that model of there's a reason that i don't sell direct consumer and that we have a, a room full of agents if we were a big cluster of everybody trying to do the same thing not knowing your role what you're doing then all of a sudden you're, you're kind of scrambling. And, and I'll tell you, people are surprised at how small the organization are. I mean, there's 20 of us total in this building. That's, con that's including receptionists. You know, so we, we don't have a full call center of marketers and, you know, all that because our, our job is to be good at what we do. You know, I, 
take myself out of the equation, there's three markers I sit next to. There were two or three in other organizations. And we have uplines. We, we do have uplines on a few contracts and have our own marketers. And I'll put any of the ones I sit next to in the room there any organization. And that, that's not braggadocious. That's just saying how well Taylor and Galen have, have trained that. And you'll see the call centers they've trained all, all outperform because of just what they've, they've gone through. And, and Galen says it was a 35-year overnight success story of, of what she's done. So, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yes, I, I know I work here. I've been here eight years, but I, I wish I could take the credit for building this, this dynasty, but it, I just am lucky to work here. Like, like I really wanted to take the time to point that out, though, because I don't think people realize that and how difficult that is of what they've done. Like, I mean, 100%. you see it up close. Like, and I think Justin's doing a great job of doing it right now, too. You know, he's yeah. built out his sales force that can absolutely terrorize their market for years to come. And, and I want to point out on Justin, if you guys don't follow him on social media, I was, how well his team messes. Did you guys notice yeah. that? Not just yeah. the agents, but you can see the girls that work in his office to, you know, people, you know, you've got, you know, his brother Johnny, you've got the Medicare uh, minister and Justin. I, I love how he's got such a well-built team and, and Justin's really, he yeah, he's done culture. an awesome job. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. culture is huge. Culture was what scales beyond, you know, being a good leader. I think it creating a, a good culture environment is what can really scale. So I want to be conscious of everybody's time. Um, there's one more question from Sean that I wanted to ask. So it's, what do you guys think is the biggest value an upline can provide? Ooh, okay. Okay, so uh, for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because um, you have to look at it from the different perspectives. I can, I'll tell you, I'll give you a two-part answer. I'll give you a politically correct answer. I'll give you my, what is important to me and then I'll give you what is, I think would be important to like a new agent. For me, um, the biggest thing that an upline can help me provide, you know, help provide to me is that, you know, assistance with the back office support. You know what I'm saying? Like with contracts and, you know, getting releases processed in a timely manner, you know. Um, Underwriting. If, yeah. I mean, well, not for me, but like, I, I think, but like, I think for me, the, the main thing is like the contracting side of things is where, you know, our FMO, you know, carrier relationships. That's what I meant by underwriting. Just if anything's going wrong at the carrier level, your FMO has your back. That's kind yeah, of your and, opinion. And, and Scotty, you know this better than I do, how many little tiny things there are with every single carrier. Like it's freaking insane, you know? Um, and, and the average agent has no clue, right? Like they have no clue about, you know, qualifications for this contract. What does this contract look like? You know, um, okay, um, we got to get a reciprocal release. This is how we do that, you know. Um, oh, they won't give a release. What's the wait time? You know what I mean? Like, there's just all these little things. And so, you know, I'm always learning new stuff about contracting. And I'm learning it through, you know, like my marketer at Agent Pipeline, Lester Kahn, is freaking like, you know, wizard with this stuff. Like, he knows everything about everything. And, you know, that yeah, is- If we're doing super... agent pipeline shout outs, I'm gonna throw Sarah Christie out there because he's yeah. bailed me out twice yesterday. Yeah, but that's, that's what's important to me at this junction in my career. I think for a new agent, their upline's biggest value can be mentorship and training and just proper guidance. You know what I mean? I'm like the right way to do things. 
Um, but I think an upline can mean different things to you at different points in your career. Yeah, I, I'm going to, that's essentially everything I could say, you know, it, at different points in your career, your needs for an upline will change, you know, and, and you might even have to change, you know, we touched on this earlier, you might have to change an upline one day because you might outgrow your upline. That's okay. Um, but yeah, just uh, somebody that's going to answer your call and, and that's saying answer your call the first couple times, you know, meaning if, if it's taken them 20 phone calls to get you to call them back, don't be mad that they don't answer your call, but it's still, the, the point on it and the upline is they're there. I, I think career relations is the best thing. Um, I personally hate programs like Insurance Bay. If an agent comes to me and they've never filled out their own contract before, it's, it, it's hard for me to teach them how to fill a contract out. So a lot of times my value turns into yeah, teaching you how to do your own paperwork. And, and that's, and I might sound annoyed at that, but that's a skill. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I was going to say. Do, because <laughs> that's my role every day of like, okay, well, let me teach you how to do your paperwork because paperwork is a necessary evil in your business. Um, so somebody that can teach you how to fill out your paperwork right the first time, um, because it, everybody's got a horror story of their contract didn't get processed right. So all of a sudden they're down the road and, you know, the issues that's caused and all of a sudden you're waiting six months. So helping somebody that can help you your paperwork from the get go. And then from there, you know, don't be afraid of, you know, networking. You know, I refer agents out all the time. You know, I had somebody call Christian. That's one of my agents. And I had no fear that they would contract somewhere else. And they said, Hey, this is what I want to do. And I said, you know, I know a guy that is good at that. Let me give you his phone number. So I think if your upline is not afraid to share his contacts with you, that's, that's something that's good. Um, you don't know how many times people will forward emails and delete the email chain. So you can't find a phone number in it. I mean, that's, that's so common. It's scary. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, whether they're working their contacts for you, you know, their carrier relations and then, um, if leads is your good, make sure that you vetted who they're getting their leads with. Um, I'll always tell agents when, when they say so-and-so is going to give me leads, I always ask, are they buying those leads or are those leads they're making themselves? Because there's a big difference. Um, and if they're buying their leads, find out where they're buying them from. And, and, and when you do that, you find out did that agent just happen to have a deal on a cheap set of leads or did he actually go out buy some good leads, you know? And so, um, so vet, vet on that. Um, and you'll be able to ask those questions as you go along. You know, you can't ask every question you need to know in the first phone call with, a, with an upline, but it's a relationship just like everything else. And so the best thing is time, uh, let, you know, their contacts. Um, then of course their knowledge on what's going on in the industry. You know, if they don't know, if you don't know who Tony Merwin is, or you don't know who Christian Brindle or Rebecca Davis, you know, things like that, you probably have not been watching things or, you know, Cody Askin, Justin Brock, there's a reason that they're titans of the industry. Are growing to be titans um so that you know get some relevancy yeah i think for me it comes back to transparency i've been thinking a lot about it as you guys were answering there and um i think because again if if they can just be transparent this is what we do this is what we don't do and especially giving a release up front if hey if you outgrow us if you decide you want to go in a different direction different organization i, I just feel like the amount of time I could have saved if I had a higher level of transparency when I came into the industry, it could have saved me years. You know, I mean, obviously what happened happened. And, and in some ways I'm thankful for learning, you know, learning the way that I did. But um, I think there's some organizations that really operate 
under a lack of transparency for specific reasons. And I think the more transparent an IMO or FMO can be provides a ton of value to you as an agent. Some IMOs and FMOs, I think, and uplines are really good at scaling with you. Like you guys just mentioned, you know, if you decide I want to grow an agency, maybe they have the tools in place to help you grow your agency. Maybe they're not structured that way. Maybe they're structured more for, you know, telesales reps or, you know, face-to-face sales. So again, I, I, it's almost like a, a matchmaker experience. You know, you have to, you have to figure out what you want and then you have to figure out if your upline is going to support what you want. And if that changes, you kind of have to do it again. But some people like Target, some people like Walmart. Yeah. yeah. That's what, what happens. And if you're Christian, you like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Christian, <laughs> Christian likes gas station. Gas, yeah, piggly, I like, wiggly. Yeah. gas station food. We don't have a piggly wiggly in Utah. <laughs> uh, the quick sack then or whatever you guys have to do. Quick sack. <laughs> so we, we have a store called Smith's. I bet nobody knows what that is. <laughs> is it like a Kmart? It's owned by Kroger. Yeah. So it's like a Kroger store, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'll go, I'll go like out of state and I'll be like, I'll be like, yeah, I picked this up from the Smiths. And they'll be like, the what? The what? I'm like, the Smiths. Blacksmith? Blacksmith. Blacksmith. My granny makes apples. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really appreciate, you know, both of your guys' time today. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. It was a little off topic, but at the same time, more relevant than ever. I it think. was good. It was good off topic. It I wasn't mean, a bad it, off topic at all. One, it's the most important decision in the first 12 months is the upline. So I think there's a reason we fixated on this, you know, during the course of this entire conversation, that upline can really make or break you in, in many ways. So um, I want to take a second, final thoughts, Christian or Scotty whoever would like to go first. Scotty, also, please let everyone know where they can find you, how to reach out to you um, if they would like to. Well, I'll go first. That way I keep it yeah. short. Um, the final thoughts are, hey, this is cheesy. You're an insurance agent. Welcome. You, you got your 12 months ahead of you. It, it's going to be a hard 12 months. Uh, you know, check your relationships out, as we talked about. Um, we're glad you're here. Anybody's happy to help. Um, and you'll find that everybody will answer questions. If we don't know the answer, we'll point to like Kristen or Glenn or somebody that knows the answer. Um, find me on Facebook, you know, Scotty James O'Brien. You'll, you'll find me in all the groups, uh, Fix Figure, uh, Medicare Mentors, Gurus. Um, those three are the ones I frequent the most often, but I, I lurk in the other ones. Um, I've been kicked out of a few, so I, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I got to know about this. Which ones kicked you out? Why? <laughs> Well, like I said, it's no secret I'm a marketer. So just, just the fact that I joined somebody else's group as a marketer and got the boot. But I, I, I can't imagine kicking you out of mine. A face like this, I don't know. But um, <laughs> anyhow, yeah, you know, I'm more than happy to connect. You know, this is great. Um, I'm glad we're doing Taco Tuesday. And I'm glad you guys finally had me on. I know I was before with me and Christian, yeah. but I finally got to connect with Glenn. Yes, I was, uh, I was MIA last He was time. having a baby. I was. Hey, how was little Bambino? Good, good. He's almost six months old already, if if that's even possible. It's crazy how fast they grow up. It's downhill. Number three, uh, number three, which guys, if you're having kids, little sidebar here. Um, it's not three is not just like plus one. Christian, this could be good for you too, because you know, Scotty, maybe you're looking at Scotty, you have two kids. 
Mm. See, so back to back. Right. So one, two, three here, right? So my advice at three to you guys who are below three, which I do feel superior saying that, <laughs> um, my progeny will live on forever. But it it's like uh, it's it's like a multiple to a power. It's it's a an exponential of how much you think one is just one more. It's one more kid. We've already got two kids. What's a third kid? No, that's not it at all, you guys. You have your third kid, and it's exponential how much more everything grows, you know, diapers, snacks, you name it. You know, your your work goes through the roof. So it is a wonderful experience at the end of the day, but it's a ton of work. I love my kids. Final thoughts on today's episode. I think... Christian. Um, oh, sorry. oh, no, go ahead. I thought you were Chris. No, no, Glenn, finish your final thought and then I'll and then I'll go. That's my bad. No, no, you're good. So final thoughts, selfish plug here, you guys. We just launched an IMO FMO directory. It was mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, no, I haven't had any secret bad reviews yet. But the goal is to really promote exactly what we've been talking about here in this episode today is you know, transparency, helping you guys find the right upline. Because again, not every upline is going to be a good fit for you. And so that's really the goal of this IMO FMO directory. It's how can lead heroes help insurance agents find the upline that's going to work best for them. And it's just started. You know, we really just launched it in the last month. But the goal is to continue to make this optimized and to continue to grow it, grow the list of uplines. If you're an upline and you want to be on our directory, you're welcome to submit. Scotty, you guys are already on. Christian, I'm not letting you on for many reasons. <laughs> um, is it the bad list? Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I submitted my inquiry, by the way. Um, <laughs> so if you're if you are on our directory and you're you're an upline, IMO FMO BGA, you want to be on our directory, you can submit to be on there. If you want to leave a review because you're happy or you're upset with your upline, you can create an account and leave a review right there on that uplines page. If you're wanting to interview these uplines, there's some filter tools where you can kind of figure out, okay, these guys specialize in annuities. These guys specialize in Medicare, final expense, life insurance, et cetera. So I'm really excited about that. And I think if you're a brand new agent and you're trying to figure out where to start, that could be a really good place to start. So those are my final thoughts. Christian, take it away. Well, my final thoughts, guys, are... Um, if you're new in the business, understand that in my opinion, I think your first 24 months of an insurance agent, if you are going to make it is probably going to be some of the toughest experiences of your life. And, um, there's a lot to know in this business. There's so much to know, you know, I mean, you are the CEO, the COO, the CFO, you know, of your business, you, you, you have, and it's, and it all matters, right? It, it, there's none of it that's just is in, in unimportant for you to essentially master and capitalize on your business and keep up on. So just keep that in mind. Um, I mean, if you're new to the business, you got to understand that this is work. This is old fashioned hard work um, to get where you want to go. And so just, you know, celebrate the work. So, you know, take it with a, take it with, you know, a grain of salt and approach it with a great attitude. And I think you're going to do well. My final remark is, um, don't miss the freaking um, post 
um, Nahoo Summit cocktail party oh, this yes. coming Friday. And I'll yes. announce it later tonight, um, officially, the time and everything like that. Um, but it'll be a blast. Tony Merwin was going to get smashed. Oh. <laughs> Christian will bring his hypnotic. I, I will. I will. I will, guys. I actually, I think I should. I think I need to to bust it out again because that was the first cocktail party I brought. I had the hypnotic, I think. Um, yeah, you were doing hypnotic. I think Mike Felback was cooking. It was like a cooking show. It was like you had all these major players, and then there's Mike's cooking, and Christian's got his hypnotic. And it was like, this is the most <laughs> chill set of people I could be on a Zoom with right now of anywhere. Yeah, love it. Love it. Party this weekend. Be there. Friday. What time Friday? When is this starting? So this might not be a popular answer, but I was really planning on starting it off at 10 Eastern Standard Time just because my daughter doesn't go to bed till that time. And it's my called wife... day, it's called day drinking, Christian. I don't know if you're <laughs> familiar with how it's five I o'clock mean, East I mean, if, Coast. If, if, it's if, two o'clock our time. It, it's five o'clock somewhere. Do you know how these things work? Do so I it's, it's seven, that's seven o'clock your time, right? Eight right. o'clock my time. And I believe nine o'clock Scotty's time. We're not all a bunch of grandmas. We should all be awake. No, I actually, <laughs> I actually agree that that's a great time. All right. I'm just all right, good. a hard time. Good, good. My kids have joined the happy hour Zoom before. I'm just going to throw that out there. So no shame. <laughs> no shame. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you both for being here. This was a really, really, really good episode. Um, Guys, if you're listening to the podcast version, leave us a review, please. It helps us a lot. We don't want to remain unheard forever. Um, Yeah. Leave us a review. All right, right, guys. Adios. Take care. And we're not streaming 